Welcome back to The Daily Poem, a podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson, and today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. Today's poem is by John Keats, and it's called When I Have Fears That I May Cease to Be. I'll read it once, offer a few comments, and then read it one more time. Here is When I Have Fears That I May Cease to Be a sonnet that takes its title from the first line. When I have fears that I may cease to be before my pen has gleaned my teeming brain, before high-piled books and charactery hold like rich garners the full ripened grain, when I behold upon the night's starred face huge cloudy symbols of a high romance and think that I may never live to trace their shadows with the magic hand of chance, and when I feel, fair creature of an hour, that I shall never look upon thee more, never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love, then on the shore of the wide world I stand alone, and I think till love and fame to nothingness do sink. There's a kind of meta-sadness, uh, an overarching uh, behind-the-scenes sadness to this poem, given that John Keats would die at the age of 25, uh, cut down in his prime, which is exactly what he was worrying about in the lines of this sonnet. He, he had it right, after all. But uh, a sonnet it is, and yet it's in many ways a kind of anti-sonnet, if what you think of when you think of the English sonnet is something by Shakespeare, and you probably should. That's, uh, that's a correct instinct. Uh, if you were reading a sonnet that began this way and its author were Shakespeare, you would probably expect a kind of surprising turn or solution to this problem at the end of the poem. That's the way that a sonnet structure works. It usually proposes a problem, and then the poet uh, offers a solution or answer to that problem, or a way of reconceptualizing the problem so that you can see it in a new light uh, that maybe makes it not so problematic after all. Here, though, uh, we don't get to line 8 or 9 or line 10 or 12 and hear the poet say, Ah, but you and your love make me forget all of these things, and life seems, you know, full of uh, possibility and worth living, et cetera, et cetera. No, we really get the opposite of that. Uh, when the the sonnet itself is full of uh, fantastic uh, natural imagery and uh, romantic uh, metaphor that. Uh, is worth contemplating and appreciating. But the surprise comes in the end when dwelling upon, meditating upon these things doesn't give way to a satisfying and optimistic uh, balm for the soul. Uh, rather, meditating upon these things leads the poet to uh, conclude that they are, in fact, not terribly meaningful. Uh, as I think about all of the things that I will miss out on uh, in dying young, 
I conclude, I stand uh, on the wide world, uh, the wide world's shore, and I conclude that they are relatively worthless after all. Uh, one might uh, say that's a bit of a downer if you're, uh, if you're a romantic. Uh, the shore of the wide world itself could mean or represent a number of things that might color uh, our judgment of the uh, conclusion of the poem. If the, the sea that is implied here, the, the speaker is looking out upon, is just a sea of troubles, uh, to borrow from Shakespeare, then uh, maybe it is a negative thing that it drowns out uh, the speaker's thoughts of all of these possible goods in his life. Uh, but if, as is fairly common, the sea is a symbol for eternity, then perhaps the conclusion of the poem is saying something like, when I contemplate what is infinite, then these things that I'm worried about losing, uh, they pale by comparison and they cease to mean very much. Even uh, that thing which so many of his contemporary romantic poets might have celebrated above all else, uh, romantic love or what he calls unreflecting love. Uh, the idea of relishing in the fairy power, the mysterious otherworldly power of a love that you abandon yourself to, that uh, where reason uh, takes a holiday and, uh, and the, the heart is just uh, enraptured by this love. That's the kind of love that, that fades to nothingness uh, as he contemplates. Uh, along with the, uh, the fate spelled out in his stars that is mysterious to him uh, but could indicate a high romance, uh, maybe not, he'll never know because uh, this is uh, his <laughs> celestial destiny is not one he'll live long enough to trace out, uh, unless, of course, his celestial destiny is simply to die early. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the opening consideration, which maybe because it's at the beginning, uh, is uh, the first and uh, shallowest of them, is uh, that he has so much work to do. Uh, so many, so many poems left unwritten and uh, so much, as he explains or confesses in the end, so much fame to be won in their writing. Uh, but all of this uh, diminishes in size and importance uh, when put in perspective against uh, the, uh, the great unending sea of the infinite. Here is when I have fears that I may cease to be one more time. When I have fears that I may cease to be before my pen has gleaned my teeming brain, before high piled books in charactery hold like rich garners the full ripened grain, when I behold upon the night's starred face huge cloudy symbols of a high romance, and think that I may never live to trace their shadows with the magic hand of chance. And when I feel, fair creature of an hour, that I shall never look upon thee more, never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love, then on the shore of the wide world I stand alone and think 
till love and fame to nothingness do sink. Of course, there is the final and tragic thought that the speaker of this poem really only misses out on the chance to write his high pilot books and trace the shadows of a high romance written in the stars and even to relish the fairy power of unreflecting love because instead of simply spending his remaining time doing those things, he spends his remaining time pre-mourning the loss of those things. Uh, so this poem uh, ends up as a kind of uh, riddle or it presents a kind of ambiguity and we have to decide which way to take it. Is this in fact a celebrating the uh, loftier conclusion uh, that fame and love uh, must sink to nothingness in the face of the uh, eternal and infinite? Or is this a kind of carpe diem poem, a seize the day poem, a lament, an ironic lament uh, that he only misses out on these things because he spends so much time worrying about missing out on these things? You'll have to decide. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. To listen to past episodes or to support the show, please visit dailypoempod.substack.com. For all of us here at Goldberry Studios, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.